Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your host, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Marcus Dash here with legendary 76ers point guard Eric Snow and my brother Tasha Dash. Guys, first episode of 2024. How's everyone feeling? I hope everyone had a good New Year's. Doing good, so. Doing good, man. Can't, can't complain. I, I feel it, Eric. I think 2024 is a Sixers year. I think this is it. We're gonna remember 2024 for a very long time. That just, just something about it. I, I don't know. I feel, I feel pretty good today, but that could also change with the Bulls. Uh, win over the Sixers tonight so that's going to change the entire year as a win tonight <laughs> it could I feel really juiced up right now though so okay <laughs> New Year's resolution do not uh overhype the Bulls Sixers game yeah is it and supposed to play tonight because I saw the spread was 11 points so I think I beat yeah. back tonight yeah yeah so there you go and to start in tw- starting the year off on the, on the right foot yeah <laughs> no pun intended with Embiid's injury. I know, I know. I think that was his left foot, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I had a dentist appointment earlier, and um, the doctor saw that I had a 76ers hoodie on. Doctor turned out to the dentist turned out to be a, a Boston Celtics fan. The entire time while this guy's working on like you know, cleaning my teeth and stuff, he's making comments about how Embiid sucks. You know, he's soft and all this stuff. And I can't say anything because I got, I got my mouth full. And I'm like, dude, like I want to, I want to say something so badly. He's asking me questions, I can't really respond. <laughs> that was that was a pretty rough experience. But I guess uh, a lot could of people could have got him off when you were finished, though. <laughs> yeah, well, when I was done, I, I kind of had I rallied off a, a bunch of things to say back to the guy. <laughs> Got it. Nice. Yeah, well, Wizards and Celtics fan. Interesting. The dentist has two Eastern Conference teams. Like what? Okay, dude. Yes. It's a weird combination. Very weird. Well, that's the Washington area for you. People have no yeah. world to the squad. So Wizards is probably just hometown pity. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I root for the Wizards, but then in the playoffs, I root for the Celtics. Okay. I don't even have to hear you. I don't have to hear another word you have to say about anything NBA oh, related, God. buddy. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, uh, but uh, so lots to get into uh, today's episode. A guy that Tage has been uh, trying to get us to trade for for two years now. He's off the market now, so we won't be able to get. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit uh, later on here. But um, yeah, we'll begin. So we spent the last four games without Joel Embiid. Um, you know, obviously coming off uh, going zero four without Embiid, so it was a big, big, uh, big win to split some games without Embiid. Uh, but that win over Orlando. Um, the Sixers had their best record through 30 games since the 2000 and 2001 season. And I think we know someone who was on that team, uh, Eric. Um, so I guess my question for you guys, yes. uh, <laughs> has this team exceeded your expectations, met them, or, or is there a reason to expect more from the squad? Uh, 
This year, I would say so far exceed exceeded my expectations. Um, we had so much going on with with James. Remember when the season started? We didn't know what what, what was going to happen. Um, whether James was going to play, if he was going to be traded, or if he's going to sit out. Like it was just so much um, uncertainty. Um, we felt MVP would, I mean, MB would play at an MVP level. Um, Maxi has probably played better than we thought. Um, but I think collectively the team has played better than we thought. Um, you know, so I would say slightly exceeded them. And, and mostly because of the uncertainty that came with the start of the season, that, that it was hard to kind of have your expectations higher when you didn't really know how it was going to play out. <clears throat> I would say, uh, I'd say they completely exceeded my expectations so far, offensively, defensively, considering we have a, Completely new coaching staff, had a really turbulent offseason, um, made a trade, bringing in a bunch of new players right at the start of the season who didn't even spend camp with us. Um, and Beats having an even better season than he did in his MVP season. Uh, Maxi's taking yet another leap. We finally have a deep squad of long players who can shoot and defend. I think it's been a fantastic start to the season. Uh, our record's even more impressive when you factor in Joel's missed, what? What are we at, seven, eight games now? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I couldn't ask for more at this point. I mean, again, we have the going back 30 years or 20, 20 years for record after 30 games. So I can't, you know, I would have been happier with, I, I guess I would have been happy with even like, a few less wins. I'd be happy with like 18 and like 14. I would have been, I don't know about happy, but it would have surprised me to have a good start, but not a great one. But considering we are where we, where we are right now, any big time trade or trade to sure up some of our, you know, holes, just I think sky's the limit. We have a lot of potential. Man, I, I, um, and the reason why I didn't really go as much expectation because I felt, with everything that go that went on, I mean, you still had, you know, outside of James, you still have your best four players returning. So yeah, you still sure. have that. You know what I'm saying? You still have that, and you still have a reserve player that that's still here. So you do have some kind of continuity with that group, even though it's a new staff. You still have some continuity with that group. So so th- that's where me not feeling like it's just this huge jump because. You, you have 90% of the guys that of the starting group that won that was had the third best record in the league. So you you would you would expect some form of consistency at a at a higher level, in my opinion. Um, you know, with the sense of urgency being the championship that you would have some form and you have the MVP returning. And if he plays on the MVP level, then you're giving yourself a chance to win every night. So that's why I say it's exceeded it, but I don't think it's drastically exceeded it, in my opinion. And to your point, we did we pretty much knew that James was not going to be with us. So it wasn't like it wasn't like we had this game plan with James all offseason, then all of a sudden, two weeks in, he demanded a trade and we we're like, yeah. Oh my god, what are we gonna do now? We knew it wasn't gonna be yeah. so like we planned 
to not have him. Yes. We know who he's going to get back. You just didn't know who else was going to be a part of it. Yeah, exactly. And since the Clippers were pretty much the team we were talking to all offseason, even in that regard, we kind of had an idea who we were going to be getting back in that deal, like more or less. Like we probably knew a couple of the guys for sure we'd be getting back in that deal for salary purposes. Um, The only reason I'd say exceed, I'm just even not even going back 20 years. Just going back to last year, we have, a, I think, a much better record at this point than last year, and, and we had James. So in that regard alone, just comparing the, the last two seasons, but we had a rocky start to last season. So more so, I guess, than exceeded, highly exceeded this year, we were way below expectations at the start of last year. So when you look at – I think that's why in my mind I'm like, oh, man, at this point last year we were borderline 500. Um so yeah, considering that and considering you know what we lost and it's been kind of an evaluation um, first half of the season to see what we need and what we need to improve on and who we need to add. So to be twenty two and ten during an evaluation period, it's it's pretty good. I'm happy with it. Yeah, Eric, do you see like um, obviously you guys are a very tight knit group. You've talked about before how tight knit that that squad was uh, in the 2000, 2001 season. Um, but like, do you kind of see a similar kind of cohesion they have, even with the new guys they brought in Marcus Morris, Pat Bev, uh, obviously Roko has been with the squad before, but like, it seems like everyone's just fitting in so nicely. Everyone looks like they're having fun out there. Yeah. I mean, I see the, the guys having fun. I see the meshing, um, it's kind of hard to compare it to us because we had our nucleus for years. You know what I'm saying? They they went from you know from the started in '98 and went to 2001, and we had already had back to back playoff runs, you know, before then, and and won the series, lost the series. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, lost the Pacers back to back years. So it was it was it's different, but I, I see some similarities. I just think that it's you know it's tough from the standpoint um, that. we had the consistency of the team, but we also had the consistency of the staff. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, and that's where I think it's really, that's where I think, you know, the major difference came in. It wasn't a new system, plugging guys in, and it was getting better at what you're doing right now and what pieces you can add or, you know. And we, we made changes that year. People forget. Mm-hmm. Like the the, rec- the team that we started the season with, the team that we started the season with had a better record than the team we ended the season with. Yeah, you had a really hot start. Yeah. I just looked, by the way, we're not that far behind where we are. We're not we're that far ahead where we were last year because we went on a win streak in December. Um, at this point last year, we were uh, twenty and twelve. Ah. Uh. Instead of twenty-two and ten, so two games ahead of last year. Pretty good. Two games, two games. Yeah. 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 Um, to, talking about a guy who's you know has been here, you know, part of our nucleus, so the Maxi, Tobias, and B, like those three. Uh, Tobias has been here for a long haul. Um, um, between Ferk and I think Ferk and Tobias are NBA's longest running um teammates. But um, in the four uh, recent games without Joel, Tobias has woken up a bit. He's taken some early season criticism from, from some folks. Um, in the last five, he's averaging 24 points um, and six and five in uh, the last uh, five games. 
What do you make of the recent run by Tobias? And do you think this can continue when Joel comes back, Eric? The million dollar question there. It's tough, man. But like, like we've been talking about it as long as we've been doing this show that how hard it is for Tobias to maintain that level of play because it's the life of the third or fourth option. It's just, we don't know. Like he, he averages out, but to come and be the 20 point capable score that we all know he is. I just don't, I don't know how it's going to be possible, especially the way that Maxi is, is shooting the ball and the attempts that he's, he's getting. And then you have Kelly and other guys that are probably going to get more <laughs> attempts as the season goes on too. So I think he'll be his, he'll have his same level of consistency, but I don't think you'll see the consistent 20 plus that, mm-hmm. that we've seen without Joel. I almost prefer just to be like 17 every night instead of like 24 and then like 10 the, the, the next, you know, in the next night. Yeah, just, but, he, but I'm saying it all averages out though. I, yeah, no, it does. Yeah, it does. But yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's that part's frustrating, but. So the last five games, average 24. 13 games before that, 11.9 average. Um, The reason for that is because he averaged under 10 shots per game in that period. Take it a step further. So in the last five games, Tobias has taken 33 pointers, right? In the five games before that, he attempted 31 shots in total. That's insane. So he shot more three-pointers in five games, and he shot all shots the five games before it. Uh, He had a three-game stretch, the Toronto, Miami, and Orlando, where he had 64 shot attempts. That's the most he's taken in a three-game stretch since 2019. And the 82 points that he scored in that same stretch, it's the most he's scored since he's come to uh, Philadelphia, 82 points. Um, Question, can he continue that with Joel? Sure, but... Joel and Maxi will have to maybe shoot a little less or everyone else will not get above 10 shot attempts. That's just how it is. It's just, there's no, that's got to come from someone's pot, right? That's we, we're not just going to create 10 more shots. So Tobias can shoot 14 to 16 shots like the Raptors game. For instance, all three played and shot more than 20 shot attempts each. We didn't have any other player that shot double digit shot attempts in that game. Mm-hmm. I, I love to see it, but and Harris was definitely due for this. I think he needed this, whether it's sustainable or not. Like he couldn't keep doing the the you know averaging twelve shot attempts. It wasn't good for him. It's not good for us. So even if it you know he has the upward swing and then it goes back down again, and there, there's life there, right? That he doesn't get down on himself or he doesn't get totally out of the offense because that's not good for anybody. Yeah. Obviously, besides Tobias being more aggressive, Eric, is there anything schematically that uh, the Sixers are doing to get Tobias more shots in these, this five-game uh, window without Embiid? It's just more of a focus. Like, you call plays for him. You call sets for him. Um, and, and he produces. I mean, he shoots at a high enough percentage that if the touches and the attempts are there, he, he's going to score um, a decent percentage. But now it just That's what it comes down to. But if you add Joel, then – those touches across the board are going down, and it's going down for Tobias the most because those 
call plays, those sets are diminishing. And that's where now all of a sudden you get into random shots based on how they're how you're being played. Are they doubling Joel? Are they helping? Are they helping off you? Are you being able to dive? Are you being able to get off his rebounds? You know, it are you getting any fast break points? So now you 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 can get points and you get buckets, but the consistency of how, of how you get them is a roller coaster because there's no sets and no set amount of touches that you're getting to be able to make plays. It's all based on how the game and the flow is going. And that's where that's why his level of, like we say, the roller coaster consistency has has taken effect because of that. And that's that's common for a lot of guys that go through that situation. It's just that guys like Tasia is in his pocket and they look at how much he makes and they want more, but it's hard to get more when this is the way you're being played. And it's also interesting too, because it, it must be coincidence, I guess. Uh, NBA leaves for five games with the injury that he had, but then in that same time period, we had Shams uh, tweet out multiple times and report multiple times that teams are focusing in and locking in and monitoring the Tobias Harris situation. And in, it, it seems like it all happened in the, in the same time period as this he, the tear that he's been on in the last five games. Is that obviously Embiid's hurt, so he's getting more touches and everything, but like. Teams do do this where they where they kind of focus on a guy when they want to trade him for something. Do you think that is a part of that, Eric, or no? Just all circumstances. Well, I mean, I think because of his contract situation, the way he's playing, um, Sixers being close, the name the the name will come up. People know that the Sixers have picks; they have salary cap space. If they're going to make a move, this is probably time to consider a move before the trade deadline comes and. You know, if you're going to make a major move, most likely Tobias is going to be involved. So I think it it goes with maybe there's some interest on both parts. Uh, At the same time, it's a contract situation also. That Are they making the decision to do it now or are they waiting? So, and I think that the Sixers would be doing themselves a disservice if you aren't listening to what mm-hmm. the options are in the moment before this trade deadline. Yeah. I also feel like, too, when he doesn't – maybe this is from a basketball standpoint, period. When you don't shoot for so long, too, you almost I – mean, you know the last time you shot, right? If you're a player and you average 17, 18 career and you're used to taking 12 to 15 shots at least in your career per game – and you haven't shot since like the first quarter and it's like late third, early fourth, you almost feel like, okay, okay it's time for me. I, I have to get going here. So then you might start forcing stuff, right? So that's not just coming naturally in the game. I feel like that happens to Tobias too, where, but again, we've talked about this. I don't think that's his personality to do that. Like I'm getting mine. He doesn't, I don't think he does that, which I like because I don't want him just jacking up shots for the sake of getting up more than 12 in a game. Um, I still, I still think he just is patient and lets the game come to him, which I like. But at the same time, I just, I guess, I, I wish it was just more of a, a quarter to quarter consistency, more than like eight points in the first quarter and like two in the second, two in the third. But it's hard when you don't know when your shots are coming. I know, yeah. To have consistency is what I'm saying, not to be able to score. I'm saying the consistency in, in the scoring. Like you said, I'd rather have the 18 in the game instead of the 20 in the 10. Yeah. But 
he don't know when he's not coming in saying, I know I'm going to get 16 shots. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to have a couple few ISOs where I know I'm going to get to the free throw line. We're in the bonus. Let's get him the ball. How many times have we come down and be like, hey, so we're in the bonus. We know Tobias can get to the line. Let's give him some touches. Go to work. They don't do that. Mm-hmm. Max is also shooting more than I expected him to this season. Yes. Yes. Like we expected, a, you know, a jump in his points he's per game. More and he's dominating the ball. And when he doesn't have the ball, Joel has it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But Eric, I'll tell you, over the last few weeks, Tasia's come around on Tobias. He's, you know, he said, maybe we keep Tobias. We go to the offseason. Maybe Tobias will sign a friendly deal with us in the offseason. Yeah, he's, he's, all, he's, he's always been pro Tobias with a favorable deal. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Eric knows my truth. That's what I said. He just he's just always counting his money. Like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Stop get, get out of his pocket. I want him to count. I want him to count with me in the offseason. <laughs> oh man. Uh so I hate to add the beginning of the opener. Uh Tage's boy OG Ananobi is off the market. Uh he was traded to the New York Knicks for RJ Baird and Emmanuel quickly. Uh, and there was a recent report that the Sixers might actually wait until the offseason to make their big move. Quote, when the Sixers made the James Harden trade with the Clippers, there was a sense they may have to, at the trade deadline, find a star player to be able to keep up with Boston and Milwaukee in the East. But they are showing with this group they can do it maybe without a third star. Maybe do something around the edges. Around the edges. So what do you guys think about this report? And what do you think about our uh, Tej's uh, uh, hope and OGM and Anobi gone off the market? Like I said, I, I don't, I don't know what. I'm not saying I don't like. I do like him. I just didn't understand the fascination. Maybe he, maybe he had a, a friendly contract or something that you know TJ has a fascination about. Um, but he's eventually going to be free, and then that money's going to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if the money's going to change, maybe you're going to feel different about him. Getting that bias money. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, a move's going to be made. They're, they're either going to do something in trade deadline or they're going to do something in free agency. So um, I think you can make a move if it's the right move. I think if it's the right move going forward, I don't think you need to make a move for right now. I think you need to make a move for the next two or three years if you're making a move right now. So I don't know. I just I will I have to see the deal. I have to see who's out there. Who's being offered and offered for what? But I'm 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 not against making the move now or this summer. Um, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> Zach Lowe on his uh, show recently called us the um, cap space boogeyman of the offseason because we might just scare every team into getting the player now so they could avoid us pulling them away with a big contract offer in the offseason. Um, OG, I think, fits well with the Knicks. It was a good deal for them. Um, but that, I think they said in the same podcast that he'll be looking at a contract starting at the $42 million mark. Um, yeah, I see. Yeah, your face, your face is how I feel, Eric. It's exactly. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a, it's a big turn point. Yeah, I'm just saying that's what, maybe that's when the fascination would stop, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, apparently, I also read a report that 
the one place he would go and maybe take less would be New York, which is why they did it. Like, if we get him now, maybe he'll sign for a little less in the offseason. Um, I don't know. Um, as far as the report that you brought up, I agree and disagree. I, I, moves definitely have to be made. We have holes. We have things we need to improve upon. I think we need external help for that. Um, I think we need another ball handler. I think we need another. I think we need to consolidate our long wings into like one starting caliber one. And then I think we need like a legit backup big that becomes more and more apparent with every game that NB misses. Um, and just because our team has played well and exceeded expectations, like we talked about, doesn't mean we're at a championship level team. It just means they're better than what we thought they would be to start the season. Um, do we have championship elements to our, our team? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, Maxine and, and Embiid have a crazy two-man game. Um, I just don't think we're there yet. And I, I hope we don't get carried away thinking that this team is good enough. And even if the vibes are good, they don't want to disrupt it by trading one of their buddies. I hope that's not the case either because, you know, like you guys are a good example of that, Eric. You guys had a great synergy with that team. You guys got along with Theo. You didn't want to see Theo go, obviously, right? But you did that because you knew you had an opportunity that season and you didn't know how his injury was going to go rest of the year and beyond. So you're like, we just need to, we need to do this deal to compete for a championship. Um, now, if they don't like who's available at the deadline, then I agree. Don't force a trade just to do it uh, to get an overrated player. Um, to move your belt up a notch or two, uh, I, that I don't, I don't want that. That's the agree and disagree part, um, because this trade's not only for the play this season, right? It's for beyond. It's for the. It's mostly the, any trade we do is for two things, right? It's a short-term contract to help this year, or it's a guy you plan to re-sign or you like his contract for the next like four or five years for Embiid's window. So it's one or the other, or, or both, really, um, but. If we don't like big names that are out there, that's the edges. That's when you get the Kelly Olnick's a really popular name out there to be our backup big. Um, a Caruso for another ball handler who can also play defense and hit open shots. Those, in my mind, are like around the edges type moves. Not the big Levines, not the Donovan Mitchell. So, yeah, if I think we're, we're competing for this season and trying to sure up, you know, smaller things. Yeah, Olnicks and, and Caruso's. I'm 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 fine with that because there's no one big available. Um, but if there's a guy they like a lot and he's available, yeah, cash it in. Yeah. I mean, I I, I will say as far as glaring needs over the last few games, and, and you Tasia kind of mentioned this, Eric. What do you what do you think about the the backup big being an, an emphasis? Because I'll tell you what, Bob and Paul Reed, Paul Reed, I, I think to me, I think he's more of a four. And then he's a five. We, we've always kind of said that. And I think he's kind of showed the last few games. He's, he's more, he's definitely not a five. And Bomba, I don't, for, for some reason, he's, he hasn't looked, he hasn't meshed well out there. I mean, we had to play Marcus Morris at five, one of those games, because Bomba and Paul Reed were getting, getting their, their lunch taken from him. So, I mean, what, what do you think about uh, prioritizing a backup big, Eric? I mean, what, well, what backup are you going to get? Bring, bring back Drummond, bring back Andre. That's, that's not going to be cheap. Not at this point. Drummond wants to start. I just, I just, I mean, I understand the wish, but we gotta. What's, what's the reality? 
I mean, you got to you got to figure out a way. I mean, you committed to Paul Reed. We didn't commit to Paul Reed for him to just be a four. Yeah. So we got to find a way to make it work with him or Bomb or whoever else. But I don't think you go out and you spend a lot of money on that. I think no. you, can, you can't go out and spend a lot of money on the position behind the MVP. I mean, who who's Jokic backup? DeAndre, baby, who's actually looked pretty good in spots this year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. DeAndre is 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 not on no major uh, big contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he doesn't play a lot of minutes either. He just plays consistent minutes at his position. Yeah, yeah, that's what you need. Some consistency. I don't think you need to. So I don't know. I mean, is 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 Bamba not the guy when he's playing a select amount of minutes behind Joel, or are you saying he's not the guy when? Joel isn't playing because the expectations for you that you have for him when Joel isn't playing are higher. That's yeah, true. That's true. And it's not fair to him to do that. And that's the only time he plays. Yeah. yeah. So let's see him play some backup minutes before we just say, let's go get somebody else. Hmm. So you'd agree that that backup bigs between backup big, uh, a start, a startable long-term wing and a ball handler. That'd be a big. Would be our third uh, priority. I would say. I don't think that's necessary to win a championship, but I do think you need some consistency at that position when Joel takes a break, whatever that's going to be, and it needed a consistency at, at a at a level that's sustainable for us to to be successful. Yeah. So, uh, what do you make of Paul Reed, though, and what what you've seen so far? What do you make of his uh, uh, starting in, in place think, of Embiid? I think, he's, I think he's played well. I think he's gotten better, but I think he wants to be more of a wing, more of a pick and pop four man than he does a five. Mm. Um, and and why not? That's where the money is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I just, I just see him wanting to be more of expanding his game more so than being stuck in the reserve five row i think he in his in his mind he would rather start alongside joel and spread the court and shoot corner threes than be a backup center manning the rim and setting screens and i mean i just think i that's just the vibe that i get i don't know him and i've never had a conversation with him about that um that's just the vibe that i get just watching the play that that's something you watch his offseason workouts and that's what he's doing. And, you know, yep. so you just kind of know, I kind of feel that's how he wants to play. And I could see him become like a, like a Bobby Portis type guy. I mean, that that's, you know, that's what it seems like. Right. I mean, you could you see that kind of mold for him, Eric? Do you think I mean, he could, he but the difference is Bobby Portis came into the league as a Bobby Portis a, guy. A <laughs> polished, a polished offensive. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what, who he was. He didn't just mm-hmm. turn into that guy. Yeah. That's a big jump offensively for Reed. Yeah. He did play well against Orlando. He had, he had 15 and 10 and, and three blocks. I mean, what much more? 
I can't expect much more out of him than that. And he hit a three too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the Bulls game was where everyone was kind of panicking on the um, uh, Bamba yeah, and uh, Paul. Reed. I get that, but then again, I mean, dude, Drummond's legit center. Forget all that, like the the LA stuff and and the backup years. He's right. He should be a starting center in this league. He should. It's only because, I, for whatever reason, that he got stuck being a backup. But Drummond is a former all-star center, and it's not like he's old and past his prime. I mean, yeah, how old yeah. is he? Like 29, 30? Yeah. I mean, so he's, you know, I, I Paul Reed's an undersized guy, undersized big. Drummond should go out there and dominate undersized bigs. I don't know about what 25 rebounds or whatever the hell he had against. That was like a Will Chamberlain game he had against. <laughs> Not a little too much, but yeah, I mean, when you have Marcus Morris and Paul Reed play against you, Drummond's thinking, well, I'm going to get 20, well, I'm going to get 20 plus rebounds tonight. And he did. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully tonight that, uh, that changes a little bit. Hopefully they have a little different scheme. And so obviously, if MB's going to play, it'll be tougher for uh, Drummond. Um, yeah. So we're going to get to our game picks right now. So um, we are back home against Chicago to face the Bulls tonight. Uh, we've lost the last two against Chicago, which is interesting because we've pretty much owned uh, Chicago in the Embiid era. Uh, but tonight could be a third. We'll see. Uh, spread opened up at 11 points. I believe the spread is down back down to nine points. So which okay. uh, six are a nine-point favorite against the Bulls at home. Who do you have in this one? And this is our, our only game we have until we meet again on Friday. We have three guys out, right? We have Melton out. Covington's out, and someone else was out. I forgot who. Is it Batum? Uh, might be Batum. But, I mean, Batum's missed a lot of games this year. Um, looking at the injury report. Um, no, uh, no, he's playing. Uh, Cork Moss, Covington, and Melton. Okay. And then they have – Bulls have Levine Le- and Levine, Levine, that's it. Vooch is playing. He is? That, that, that's basically the injury report I'm looking at right now on ESPN, yep. Oh, okay. I saw. I maybe saw that's maybe that's why the two points went down. Went from eleven to nine. Oh, ah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I say we win and don't cover. Win the close game. Down to the end. Yeah. So we played against them with Embiid and without Embiid, right? Yep. With Embiid, we lost by four, I believe. Yep. And he had forty points that game. Yep. And then the one we got beat pretty bad. Actually, one of our one of our worst victories, or worst losses of the season, actually was against that the, the second one that just happened recently. Um, it's a high spread after two losses to that team. Granted, this is at home. I think we win in cover. I think we take him out by more than ten. I do uh, think it's. In, I, I think you're right. Though. I think it's in the five to like eight range, and then we kind of just like. You win by like 12 at the end of the game. Like free throws at the end or something? Yeah, just like they get it down to eight, we get back up to 10, and then we just kind of make it 12, 13 type thing. Got it. Uh, Joel Embiid's uh, over-under for tonight scoring is 34.5 points. Maxi's 25.5 points. And Tobias, 17.5 points. <laughs> yep, there you go. Yep, it's, I think it's dead on his average, actually. I think he's averaging 17.5 this year. Yeah. Uh, so uh, big game for Embiid in his return? Say it again. Big game for Embiid in his return. Do you think he'll go over 34 and a half points? I would say under. Hopefully over. <laughs> we have to keep doing the um, will he get under 10 rebounds or under 30 points predictions. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> he's still on he still hasn't done. I mean, he hasn't gone under either one of those since we've talked about that, right? 
No, he, he came close to the rebound one, but he, he got he got a few at the he end did. of that game. Toronto. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Uh, his over under for rebounds is 12 and a half tonight. So, Oof, man, yeah. they have having a monster game. Oh. Yeah. I think he goes over on both of those. I think if anything, the rebounds will be under that like 38 and 12 or something. Yep. Um, this game, you can see that on NBA TV. We have actually a couple, um, couple televised games this week. So yeah, uh, NBA TV tonight at seven o'clock. And then when we see you guys again Friday, we'll be previewing the Knicks game, which is that night. And that's seven 30 on ESPN. So yeah, I don't think we've had many ESPN games this year, but that's uh, that's one of the one of the Knicks on Friday against my OG OG. Ooh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that does it for us, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll see you guys Friday as we preview this Knicks game, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, Embiid plays back-to-back games and get some dubs rolling again, so we can stay in this MVP conversation because we don't want to miss any more games because we want him to nope. get get that back-to-back MVP this year. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.